Hello guys and welcome to another episode of Content and Caffeine. This week, I'm joined by Jake Newbold. He is a digital performance marketing manager at the UK-based Brilliant Agency. Now, in the past, Jake has worked in senior marketing positions for companies such as Made.com, which is a very, very popular and up-and-coming furniture e-commerce store based here in London, UK. And he's also worked in a senior marketing capacity for Mamas and Papas, which is a global maternity and nursery retailer. Now, you'd think that would be enough for us to, you know, respect Jake's marketing prowess and expertise, but no, there's more. He was recently named by The Drum uh, on their list of top 50 future global marketers, which is pretty damn cool. So to recap, Jake knows a thing or two about marketing, and specifically, he knows a thing or two about Facebook marketing and Facebook advertising. So I jumped on a call with Jake, and Jake and I discussed Facebook marketing and advertising in particular, and also how uh, D2C brands, direct-to-consumer brands, can leverage uh, Facebook in 2019. So without any further ado, let's jump in. Cool, so Jake, if we were in a coffee shop right now, uh, preferably in Leeds, because we've just spoken about how, how lovely Leeds is as a city, what would you be uh, ordering from the barista? Uh, so I would say my favourite coffee probably would have to just be a latte. It's probably Snow Frills. Everyone okay. drinks Yorkshire tea in Leeds, but a latte <laughs> yeah. is about as fancy as it gets. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Tea, tea does not get enough uh, attention. Uh, although no, we're called, it's underrated. Yeah, so so much. I mean, although we're called content and caffeine, I specifically said content and caffeine and not content and coffee because tea is a big part of my life. I mean, yeah, yeah, born, yeah. born and raised in London, I mean, you know, I love a good old grey or Yorkshire tea as well growing up. So, yeah. Definitely, that's, that's what everyone in this office drinks. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I imagine in, in Leeds, is mandatory drinking. Pretty much, yeah. Anything like yeah. Yorkshire tea, if you go to PG Tips and it's... Um, it's <laughs> yeah, <no-no. laughs> that's an automatic, automatic sacking right there. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you are the the drum future fifty marketer of twenty nineteen. So why don't you tell right. me what that, what that means uh, yeah. and how it happened? What what's the secret sauce? <laughs> secret sauce. I'm not sure whether there's a, a secret sauce as such, but um, yeah, I've kind of been uh, sort of an avid reader of the drum and their publication as as, as a marketer. It's quite a good. Um, source of content so kind of an email came through whilst I was at made.com with this opportunity to uh, be nominated if, if one of your colleagues wants to kind of put yourself forward so I did a little exchange with one of my colleagues we kind of nominated each other and then didn't really hear much back from it after that and then kind of a few months down the line I got shortlisted I believe it was the top 200 and I kind of went through and answered various questions on kind of my day-to-day and uh, how, how I've got where I have now and then yeah so the rest is history I guess really and I got shortlisted to the, the top 50 which I'm super proud of and um, yeah kind of going on ongoing now sort of contributing to their publication writing some articles for them and yeah it's been it's been good. Yeah I can imagine well, well congratulations for you know first and foremost for actually getting into the into the top 50 shortlist which yeah, is thank you. pretty amazing uh you mentioned made.com so for our i'm not sure how 
much made.com has grown internationally but for you i mean i think uk uk listeners will definitely know made.com it's like a basically a d2c ikea right um yeah i'm gonna simplify it uh so yeah very very cool furniture that kind of stuff Uh, before that you were at mamas and papas which is is an international brand which is uh you know as the name suggests it's a it's a it's a brand for newborns and children and that kind of thing um so what, what was your how did your um roles change between you know mamas and papas made.com and today you're a brilliant agency so what things have changed um you know between those three jobs what has changed what has stayed the same so i think when i was at mamas and papas obviously um they had sort of 30 stores so operating e-commerce and also uh, brick and mortar so the, the digital strategy if you like kind of was in two parts i had a a job to support the the e-commerce tra- traffic, if you like, and also the brand strengthening through social, but then also a job to support store footfall with sort of event activation. Whereas kind of moving into made, which is I suppose uh, an e-commerce pure play, it was very much so uh, new customer acquisition, very online focused. Although they did have a few showrooms, um, you know, mm-hmm. online was sort of the the biggest part of the pie so it was very yeah very acquisition focused in terms of driving good quality traffic to the site and then making sure we retarget them properly and a lot more um, ROI focused and then yeah. in terms of sort of going into agency now I'm kind of working on uh, various different brands from big retailers e-commerce um, you know kind of brands that are have an e-commerce presence but they're also in you know large supermarket brands so again the strategy differs from a social point of view of how can we support from an awareness piece but then also a, a direct response execution as well mm-hmm. cool so your specific role what is your what, what is your day-to-day look like your, your actual specific task are you, are you in charge of media buying you're in charge of content uh, marketing specifically what do yeah, you do so exactly i'm kind of a split between predominantly i'm a media buyer so kind of specialize in paid social so facebook instagram pinterest uh, i also do some paid search as well um, but then i guess we kind of have a quite big uh, content team and design team in-house so I'll work with those guys to create whatever that campaign is, but I really, it's my job to sort of strategize around what content um, is going out and how can we best amplify that really. I think it's important as a media buyer to make sure you get involved in the content because we should in theory know what will resonate the best, what what sizes that might be, how can the copy accompany the, the creative in the best possible way and then Essentially, yeah, it's really important to our performance. Cool, cool. You mentioned to me before the call, uh, Facebook's just released a uh, Power 5. It's called Power 5 Tactics for, for D2C yes. growth. Uh, why, don't you go, why don't you go ahead and introduce that and uh, tell us about what that is and, and how, how that's helping you at, at Brilliant Agency and helping your clients. Yeah, definitely. So I think Facebook released this a few months ago, so it's sort of five key tactics that any any brand, whether that be direct to consumer or big play, can kind of implement in their account and hopefully see uh, improved results. So from what we've started to implement, one of the big ones that's just come into play is called campaign budget optimization. So 
for anyone that's kind of used to Facebook Ads Manager, historically you would set an ad budget at your ad set level, so that's where you'd put your audience in and your schedule. Um, now you would set your budget at campaign level, and then you would have ad sets that sit within that campaign. And what Facebook will do is, essentially, is they're going down a very automated route of using their machine learning and running, basically running those audiences through their algorithm trying to get you the most conversions with the budget you've got. So I think it's very much more simplified. Anyone really now can kind of hop into Facebook Ads Manager and kind of let Facebook do the work for them, uh, in essence. So that's one of the, the big plays that's come in and that'll be mandatory as of, I think it's September this year. Another one is placements. So obviously Facebook have a whole host of placements, whether that's Facebook feed, Instagram feed, stories, messenger. They keep seeing to introduce ones daily almost. Their inventory must be running out. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. um, instead of kind of being too granular about where you put your adverts, they're suggesting that you go automatic placements, basically meaning opt-in across all their family of placements and they will try and drive the most conversions with where your adverts are going to show. Um, and I think that really is kind of a, a telling of, it's kind of saturated almost. So if you were just to do Facebook feed, you would probably see your sort of CPA start to rise. Whereas if you opt into multiple placements, that should stabilize over a longer period of time. Uh, and kind of one of the last ones I think is definitely a good um, opportunity for e-commerce and direct to consumer brands is uh, dynamic product feed ads. So. You know, if you've got, if you're on a Shopify or a WordPress, really easy to set up. Taking your product catalog, integrate it with Facebook, it's fairly straightforward. Um, and then, yeah, doing, hitting it hard with prospecting activity, ensuring you've got the Facebook pixel set up as well, which is a must. And it's surprising how many brands don't have that set up, so they're not able to track who's actually visiting the site and what interactions are taking place. And then, yeah, essentially building up a nice pool uh, to retarget to with, with your adverts. Yeah. Why don't you talk a little bit about the Facebook pixel? Because you're right, there's, there's a surprisingly large amount of brands out there who, you know, okay, they're, they're engaged in Facebook marketing. They've heard about the benefits. They've heard it's, yeah. it's underpriced, you know, Gary Vee's underpriced stuff that's getting there. They've yeah, heard yeah. that. But the Facebook pixel, they're, they're, you know, what, what are the benefits of it? What is it, first and foremost? Why should a brand use Facebook pixel before they launch their next campaign? So I think it's kind of critical really to your Facebook success if you were to attribute your spend to actual revenue to start with, obviously. I think people get scared of the pixel because they think there's a lot of manual dev work, but Facebook have made it almost a codeless setup now. And mm -hmm. with some of the platforms, like I mentioned, especially a Shopify or a WordPress, it's essentially just a plugin. And then that layer of code will sit on your website uh, like it would if you had Google Analytics set up. Um, and I guess it's a layer that can track visitors coming onto the site, knows what products they interact with, and then it's just really easy within Facebook to create certain audience pools based off whatever that behavior was, and you know whether that they've purchased or whether they've not, and showing you excluding people who have seen that bombarding with Facebook advertising post-purchase. Um, so yeah, it's really important, especially from Facebook attribution point of view, you clearly see the pennies that you're spending and then 
what's the return and you can't do any of that if you've not got the pixel set up so that'll yeah. be my sort of takeaway make sure that's set up first and foremost okay cool you mentioned a few times in there uh wordpress and shopify is like the you know maybe i don't know maybe is it uh the the leading two platforms that you you see working with e-commerce companies right now yeah, mainly, I'd, yeah, I'd say WordPress, Shopify, Magento as well is kind yeah. of a friendly partner with with Facebook. The, the integration is really, really yeah. seamless. Uh, some of the more sort of bespoke CMSs can be a little bit more tricky, but it shouldn't be anything that a uh, developer couldn't implement. Yeah. What kind of other um, CMSs are you seeing in the market right now that you guys are working with, just out of curiosity? Uh, so they used to work on one one client that used uh, it's called Hybris, which is quite an old yep. archaic CMS, which yeah. came with its difficulties. But if that's something a brand's invested in, it can be quite hard for them to get away from it. I think so. Yeah. Kind of just gotta tackle the obstacles, and there is, there is a way around it. It's not as if it's uh, impossible, but it, like mm-hmm. I said, it's definitely not as easy. If if a brand wants to set up tomorrow, um, we definitely sort of recommend a WordPress or a Shopify setup. Yeah, would you recommend WordPress though? Because I mean, for me, I I we used to, I used to recommend WordPress to everybody I ever met, right? Anybody who wanted to get online, I used to recommend WordPress. But I found yeah. that as a as a company gets larger, uh, as their sort of maybe in an e-commerce sense, as the catalog gets larger, as, as as things get a bit more complex, yeah, uh, I find WordPress to be really like unwieldy. Like it it becomes very difficult to manage and update. But I, I, I suppose you guys don't really deal with that, really. You, you deal yeah, with the, the marketing. Not much. I, I know yeah. you mean there. I've, I've seen some brands that kind of have WordPress sites that seems to be entirely built on plugins, and I think at some yeah. point that's going to pop. It's probably not sustainable, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think the infrastructure you probably would go to like a Shopify or a Magento yeah. when you start scaling up. I think for a for a you know a startup, it may be a good good place to start with, but. Um, I guess you've got to think of the, the longevity in it, whether it's the right, right call yeah. for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because too many times we, I, I see personally, you know, a company's got a good marketing um, strategy and maybe even a fantastic agency, like a brilliant agency working with yeah. them. But their technology stack that they've already got from, you know, five, six, five, five, six years ago, is just not working. It's not, it's making the agency's life difficult. It's making their customer's life difficult. So sometimes if your marketing isn't working, you know, as well as you'd like it to, maybe have a look at your tech stack and, and reevaluate how that looks. Yeah, um, definitely. I think, sorry, I was going to say, yeah, no, sort of, just on that, I guess, as a media buyer now, I feel like we're kind of forced to be the, the creative arm, the dev arm, the analytics arm, and sort of, you kind of really need to be able to operate in all three of those territories. Um, mm-hmm. or fundamentally, if one thing falls short, it can make... Your job quite difficult, so yeah, I think you kind of you learn on the job quite a lot, especially in the, the technical side of things. Uh, it's never always plain sailing, but it's yeah, it's good yeah. to keep updated with these things. Yeah, very true, very true. Uh, just on a, one last thing on the Facebook ad side, right? Uh, they, yeah. Facebook's made it a lot easier recently to um, just syndicate your ad to Instagram, right? So yeah. you, I think it's one click now. Just uh, do you want to include an Instagram, and they would you know you know they would they would include that. What would you say to a brand who's not sure about, you know, they've, they've been running Facebook ads, been working fairly well, yeah. they're not sure about Instagram, they're not sure about Instagram, um, how how would you suggest they go? I think, uh, in, for me, if you're not, I don't know why you would be uh, standoffish about operating on Instagram, I think now, sounds a little bit cliche, but strike while the iron's hot, 
the, especially from an organic point of view, um, sort of reach is declining, yeah. I guess, by the month almost. I think, not to say try and be present on every single medium, because I think when you stretch yourself too thinly, uh, your performance might, you might not be able to put in it as much as, as what you can, but especially like you said, when they're making it easier for you to cross share now from Instagram feed, Facebook feed, Instagram stories, Facebook stories, if you've got the assets, I would just go all in. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And would you would you suggest that they use different like creatives for, for Instagram or just use the same stuff they've got for Facebook and just, just slap it on there? I think, like you said, from a testing point of view, we've definitely seen did quite a lot of this at made.com. We did see that more authentic, especially user-generated content uh, mm. did seem to yield a higher click-through rate on Instagram. I think that's what people are used okay. to seeing. It's a little bit more native to the platform. So yeah. if you do have the creative available and you are able to sort of A-B test, um, I would definitely start with kind of more raw, off-the-cuff, uh, Instagram creative, same with stories as well, if you can, can sort of make it feel a part of what your friends are saying even though you're a brand and it not be too cinematic and polished, um, that tends to yield better results in, from what I've seen. Yeah, fair enough. Cool, I want to touch on um, something else now, going a little bit uh, off topic of on this conversation anyway, is I, I, I see you're, you know, slowly but surely building your own personal brand. Um, you know, uh, drums list is, is, is obviously yeah. a big boost for your personal brand. But I see you're you know you're active on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram in a yeah. in a way that suggests that you know you're taking your personal brand very very seriously. So first of all, why you know what why why take your personal brand seriously? You've been employed by you know free uh, free large companies now or, or you yeah. know uh, prestigious companies or renowned companies. What's the need now to sort of go and you know say you know I'm I'm I know what I'm talking about and this yeah. is what I'm doing right now. What's the benefit there? I think for me, I'm kind of always, especially LinkedIn, um, it's probably one of my favourite platforms, A, to learn things, but B, like you said, I'm doing so much in my day-to-day -day now um, and reading things and actually proactively implementing things myself. Um, I think it's just good to document it all because if you don't, then somebody else will. And I always yeah. try and, especially from... Uh, recruitment point of view, if you, you know if you are looking for that next step up or where you think that next job is, to me, it's a no-brainer that you wouldn't be active on LinkedIn, whether that's if you're writing blogs, if you've attended seminars, if you've been on podcasts, if you've got great results for a client. Um, I, I treat it just as important as I would my, my, my CV. Uh, it's just an extension of sort of my business portfolio. So yeah, I've kind of, past few years, I've really tried to put a lot of content out and also just reaching out to the people's um, content I see on there. You just never know whose who's newsfeed that might pop into, whether that's for your own benefit or for your company's benefit from like a, a client acquisition point of view. Uh, yeah. I think it can work wonders and especially at a brilliant agency, we generate quite a lot of leads just through organic LinkedIn content and just kind of putting our two cents in it. Yeah. I think you made a brilliant point there where you mentioned, you know, the benefit of the, of the company as well because yeah. I think I think way too many companies, they, they fail to see that each one of their employees is uh, an asset and a potential 
you know, lead lead generator in of themselves. You know, so when when they when you go out and you you talk about you know what you, your agency has done on, on on LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter or what yeah. you've personally done as well, it doesn't even have to be linked to your company specifically. People can see who you work for and, and what you're doing right now. When you do that, you're actually becoming you know like a lead generator for your for your company. So what do you have to say to companies who you know they're, they're and way too many companies like this who they only publicize things through their you know branded LinkedIn handle, branded LinkedIn profile, branded Instagram, and their employees are sitting there and they're not really engaged. And if you go and look at their employees, you know, social media accounts is just, you know, very plain Jane, you know, yeah. some family pictures, family pictures and, and that's it, yeah. not really doing anything else. What, yeah. how, 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 how can we get those kind of companies motivated to, to say to their, to their staff, you know, look, it's time to get involved in our content and it's time to sort of brand yourself as well. Yeah, I think the prime example is a brilliant agency I'm at at the minute. We've just gone under a little bit of a rebrand, but we're trying to make the kind of get buy-in from the employees here. Uh, essentially, they're an, ex- an extension of the company, so the content they put out is it's additional reach that the company can get, whether that's from client acquisition point of view or even talent acquisition, because if prospective employees are looking at uh, who works for that brand and they can see they're going off and going to these seminars or doing this, doing that, it looks a lot more desirable. Um, I think a lot of people maybe feel a little bit insecure or feel like they might be showing off about saying what they're doing um, and, and then that's fine. We, we don't force anyone to post on their own LinkedIn. It's up to their own discretion, but I think if a brand for example, posts that we post, uh, sort of several blogs a month. We try to encourage sort of all the, especially the person who wrote it, to then share it on their own profile, put their own bit of commentary with it, and it just sort of creates that ripple effect and ultimately gets us more reach and more eyeballs on the post. So yeah, it's a no-brainer for me for any company, whether that be a startup, well-established company, to kind of encourage employees to get on board with the whatever the content strategy is for LinkedIn especially. Yep, fair enough. Couldn't agree more. Cool. Are you ready for our quick fire round, Jake? Uh, I think so. Go for it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if you think so, then you know, let's go for it. <laughs> um, cool. <laughs> I think you mentioned this before, but what's your favorite social network right now and why? Uh, business-wise, definitely LinkedIn. I learn a lot from it. Uh, but I would say personally, Twitter. Uh, just to keep up to date with news and hot topics. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Do you do? So I didn't really answer the like, question there. Well, that's <laughs> fine. But, but yeah, that's fine. Do you still do like uh, like the personal branding stuff on Twitter, or, or do you just use it as like a place to to get information? More a place to get information, not as much uh, yeah. personal brand. But who knows? Maybe soon. Fair enough. Fair enough. Cool. Next question is: Whose content do you consume the most right now? And that could be you know an author, podcaster, Instagrammer, whatever. Uh, I consume a lot of Tim Ferriss, I think a lot of people probably listen mm-hmm. to his podcast, um, does really good you know, interviews, well-established entrepreneurs, so learn a lot from that. I also listen to Russell Brand, I know he's a bit love him or hate him, uh, yeah. a lot of the subjects are a bit over my head, but quite yeah. like listening to his, uh, his podcast as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, Tim Ferriss is, is, is brilliant. I'm, I'm actually reading the four hour work week right now and i'm about oh, yeah i'm almost 20 years late to the party but um what a book um, it's very like, good yeah it's a Tools brilliant titans book. is good as well 
Yeah, I've heard. I've heard that's another great one. So I'm gonna have to to place. I'm I'm late to these parties, but yeah, I, know yeah. I have to get I have to get into this because uh yeah the four hour work week I, it was one of those books where I always thought like yeah I you know I get it I get the concept of it I'll, I'll read it one day but yeah there's some fantastic um like little hacks and tips and tricks in there that is just like blowing my mind right now so I do yeah, encourage this podcast than is that. great yeah 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 exactly and the final question is what is your one tip for content marketers today? One tip for content marketers would be. Don't be shy with the amount of uh, creative and content you put out. Chances are tomorrow it'll be lost anyway. So people who are kind of holding back, I don't see any real reason. Unless it's a TV advert, I get that's got to be right. But in a social world, things are changing and moving so quickly. Just just get it out there and uh, kind of rinse and repeat almost. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. Cool. Jake, thanks so much for coming on the show. How can our listeners find you online? Um, so I'm kind of mostly active on LinkedIn. So just Jake Newbold, LinkedIn, feel free to connect. Um, my Instagram and Twitter is a little bit more personal, so I'm not sure people want to see me posting pictures of buildings in Leeds. But um, <laughs> check us out on sort of Brilliant Agency. My MD will thank me for a little plug. That's just brilliantagency.co.uk doing some good stuff with some exciting brands so yeah excellent excellent jake thanks so much for coming on the show cool thanks very much no problem guys thank you for listening to content and caffeine if you enjoyed this episode remember to share it with your friends and your colleagues and please remember to rate and review us on itunes or whichever app you're listening to us on if you're looking for show notes head over to wordify.co forward slash podcast and i'll see you again next week